1: So
0: you don't, don't shun the, the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows no. that country music's gonna save your soul. The oh. devil runs groove in rhythm and blues. that sound. It's gonna get you some in the air.
2: Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte.
3: My name is Suther Teague.
0: And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, guys. How are we doing, fellas? Oh, you oh. know... <laughs>
3: Well, once again, we find ourselves recording remotely from the studio and remotely from one another, uh, all in our uh, apartments uh, on quarantine still during COVID-19. So, you know, uh, another choppy episode of us uh, trying to interact with one another without being able to see each other. But I think we're all safe and healthy at the moment. At least I am. And I'm I'm hopeful to hear that you guys are. I feel great. I I feel feel fantastic.
2: (laughs) You, You both sound great. Well, you too. Always. Um, yeah. I've been, uh, You know, this last week since we uh, last spoke, um, I have been working on some some stuff for Grand Army. We're reopening soon. And, uh, you know, that's what's been keeping me busy. It's been fun. Actually, you know, it's kind of like opening up a, a new business. Uh, you know, it's not not like reopening Grand Army. It's like opening a, just a new business. Because you know, initially for the limited occupancy that's allowed and you know, in the actual bar or restaurant itself, you know, we've got to think about like what we can offer for takeout and what's what's useful and what's what's easy for us to make and easy for people to transport. You know, you got to rethink everything because we're like an oyster bar and we do like a lot of raw food, raw seafood. And so we don't normally do takeout. So we're doing like lobster rolls and things like that. And really kind of like kind of, you know, finessing uh, the menu to be something useful and in it actually just doable in general yeah you're um, having to,
3: you're having to reconsider every step of the process so that yeah. it can be uh you know more um so you can get more more people served that can't be in the space yeah exactly
2: so it's it's really interesting i mean like your you know a Mario marco has always been there's always been a provisionary side to it you know you've got books you've got bidders you've got bar tools so I feel like that side is something that you know You've been doing that for as long as, you know, Amoria Margo has been open. But, I, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how different places are adapting to some of some more of that kind of style of service and offerings.
3: Yeah. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about the plans that you have. Uh, um, uh, maybe maybe we should do a show together and talk about what we're both planning on doing because a lot of things are going to change at Amoria Margo when, uh, when we're finally allowed to reopen. And it's going to change the… the it's
2: going to be a 120-square-foot yeah. bar now.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to we're going to cut it we're going to cut it in half. Uh well for certain we're going to be limited on who can be in there so we're going to have to change our service style to accommodate that and to still hopefully be a profitable business so that we can survive until we can get back to a place of being at 100% capacity and and clicking along like the well-oiled machine that we were. Um so there's lots of yeah. things that have to be considered and changed and um, you know, we've been, we've been wringing our hands and thinking about every single one of them without knowing a couple of the, uh, variables such as how many people will we be allowed? You know, uh, um, you know, right. will We have to change our hours. Um, so, you know, uh, lots of stuff to think about and how we'll, how we'll deal with the, of course, public safety during the, uh, the, you know, hopefully what we can see as the closing hours of this pandemic.
2: I don't think I've asked you this before, but did you guys apply for any of the, like, Loans, grants, any of that stuff for any of your businesses?
3: Um, yes. Uh, we applied for PPP loans, and we got them for the complex. So that's Mother Pearl, Honeybees, and um, Amoria right. Margo. Um, we did not get one for the Amori Margo location in Brooklyn, which is, or at least we haven't heard back. Um, so that's unfortunate. Um, but we're going to have to strategize ways to be able to use that money uh, as we're um, instructed to use it so that we can convert it into a grant instead of a loan. Um, because sure. a, loan, a loan simply adds burden to a, a, a situation where we're already under a lot of stress. So, <clears throat> you know, lots of strategizing going on in that regard as well. Um, the only two people remaining on payroll right now um, uh, are our accountants, and that's because they can deal with all of this, you know, better than, than we can. So everybody's been furloughed or laid off, uh, including me, um, and, and no one's getting paid except our accountants because they can hopefully find ways for us to get paid and stay, stay alive. <laughs>
2: yep that sounds sounds familiar yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> wow I mean, and yeah i was i was wondering about that too because like yeah it's i mean essentially you've got three bars under the same roof mm-hmm. and you know that's you're that's a lot of people a lot of uh a lot of people to take care of and a lot uh, a lot of different ways to split that that yeah it's a lot needling, of moving parts
3: know. um so we, we have to strategize and look at all of it from every angle that we can and you know, for better or for worse, at least right now, we have the time to do that. So we've got a lot of time on our hands to really dig into every possible contingency. You know, I've mentioned before, you know, my dad worked for NASA for 35 years. And, you know, those guys, before they send a human being out into space, they consider every possible thing that could go wrong and how they could fix it. So I feel like that's kind of what we're, the phase we're in right now. We're, we're looking forward to launching, but at the same time, we are contingency planning every possible outcome. Right.
2: So it's not... So you're keeping busy. It's not just you're not just making banana bread and sourdough starters like everyone else in the world right now. You're, you're <laughs> <Yeah>. keeping busy.
3: <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, yeah, I'm keeping very busy. Um, and speaking of keeping very busy, uh, we got Johnny Schuler back in the studio, the virtual yeah. studio, uh, all the way from Peru. You're you're in your beach house down there, Johnny, right? Johnny's the CEO of Distilleria La Caravedo Ica Peru, uh, making pisco. And we're going to talk a lot about what's happening in Peru in general, uh, and then how that's affecting Pisco production. Welcome to the studio, Johnny. Welcome back.
4: Thank you, thank you guys. Thank you. Great to be with yeah.
2: you. Yeah, great to have you back. Yeah, last time you were on the show was uh, October uh, 2018. About a year yeah, and it's half. Been a half. Nice.
4: Yeah, beautiful. Nice, nice yeah. afternoon talk- talking with you guys.
2: Yeah, likewise. Uh, yeah. Um, let's to- start out by uh, asking you uh, what you have in hand right now. What are you drinking? <laughs> I hope it's Pisco.
4: Yes, I'm drinking a uh, Negra Criolla grape, which is the uh, first grape that uh, came from from the uh, Old Continent into into America, which uh, turned into what you're what you have in California, known as the Mission grape today.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. So this is the um, the original, uh, vitis vinifera, brought by the Spaniards around the mid 1500s and it uh, developed very well in some regions of Peru and uh, uh for me it's uh, of the uh, different mosto verdes that carabedo makes uh we don't export this to the United States unfortunately but this is one of my uh, beauties i think it's uh, just a sip it's not a mixing it's a sipping pisco it's something to enjoy in a good conversation like today with you guys
2: yeah I know. The last time that you were on the show, we were kind of you gave us a great like introduction to the history of pisco as a category and as as a spirit, and uh, it was really fascinating. I, you know, one of the, my favorite things that you brought up is, you know, obviously in the United States, it's you know people know pisco as the main ingredient in pisco sour, but we got to sit in the studio and taste through three or four different pisco's that you brought in, and it was really really fun
3: eye-opening, right? Southern. Oh yeah, man. Uh, it was, it was a great time. And, and I learned a lot about Pisco myself. I learned that, it's, you know, uh, was, as you just mentioned, brought over by the Spaniards, uh, uh, late 15th, early 16th century, um, as a replacement for, uh, Arroyo or I can't remember what it was called. Um, uh, but then it became, you know, just the brandy of the region and, and has continued to dominate since then. Right.
4: Yeah, But here, here, uh, I think I, history, history is wonderful. It's very rich in Peru. Caravedo is is, is proud to be uh, the, the, the... When we started this project with Bill Callop, unfortunately he deceased about a year ago, a wonderful person who loved Peru very much, and he is the one that brought me into the, the, the project. Uh, although I've been in Pisco for almost 35 years or more, uh, the, 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 there's so much history. There's so much beauty behind behind this this super mixable drink. You no, know, you were talking about drinking a pisco tonic. I think I think uh, it, it works. Uh, if, if you go into the, the world of cocktail making in Peru, there are a lot of uh, in our classics. Pisco sour is just one of them. They are Hemingway we used to drink it by the leader, right? <laughs> he, yeah. he invented the Catedral, the cathedral, which was a triple. Pisco sour in a milkshake glass. Imagine, <laughs> and then you have five of those.
2: That all checks right. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Imagine. So the, the, the Pisco sour for me is a fantastic cocktail. I consider it. I'm a drinker. I, 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 I'm not a drinker in the sense of yeah. I'm a drinker. You're among friends. I right? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy cocktails, and I enjoy drinking cocktails. I think Pisco is in the top. Is among your the of course, the, the 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 martini is the top one, and the uh, the Manhattan is another one of my favorite. The bourbon sour is one of, but I think pisco sour is up there. The Negroni, I think Negroni, my wife has a Negroni every night. So, but with pisco, not with gin.
2: I love so, a pisco uh, Negroni.
4: Yeah, so so, good. so I think pisco sour, a well-made pisco sour with a fantastic pisco, I think mm-hmm. is one of the one of the beautiful sours in this in this planet.
3: Absolutely, Johnny. Talk to us a little bit about where you are right now and why you're there. You're you're at your beach house, uh, which you, you, which <laughs> is normal every year, but you're you're extending your stay this year uh, because of COVID. So talk talk a little bit about that. Things we talked about before we got on air.
4: Yeah, normally every year for 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 many. There's two areas of beach resorts in Lima. One is 40 kilometers north. And it's Angon, where my daughter has a beautiful house and her boat and her. Her husband and her have a boat and a beautiful, beautiful place. And this area here that's called Asia, Asia, I don't know why it's called Asia, but it's been called Asia since the 1600s. So I've seen it on maps. Asia is about, I would say, uh, about some 10, 12 miles long stretch of beach with about 20 or 30 gated condominiums. And normally my wife and I rent this particular house every March of every year. Summer for us is January, February, and March. March, we rent this because it's a lower price because kids will have to go back to school at the beginning of March here. So rent goes down and we stay here. And here's where it caught us. And when we were here the 14th or Sunday the 13th, 15th, I can't remember the date, but they said, okay, nobody moves, hands up, stay where you are. (laughs) What a beautiful place to stay.
3: Yeah. Right, so this this was the so, Peruvian government saying it's time to lock down due to the COVID total, pandemic, Total right?
4: lockdown, total lockdown completely. He closed the president, closed the country, which I think is a fantastic, very, very well executed uh, order. Uh, he closed the country down. But unfortunately, um, the today... 58 days. We're in confinement here in this house for, for 58 days now. This is a gated community that has about 350 houses. There's only about 25 of the houses inhabited. The, everybody has gone back to Lima, uh, to their regular homes. But there's people that have decided to stay here because we feel, I feel, and they feel like I do, that this is the place where we will be less susceptible to be contaminated. Because it's a gated community, you have to go through two gates to get into here. Nobody is allowed in, nobody is allowed out. You can't walk around from one uh, beach to the next, You from from one gated community to the next. You have to wear face masks, face masks all the time. It's pretty serious. It's pretty, pretty. We're taking it very, very, very seriously.
1: So here's yeah, where I am, you, 100 kilometers
4: south of Lima and 200 kilometers north of our distillery.
3: Yeah, you related a story to us about about just the process of going to the grocery store. There, can you can you talk All about right. that again, just so our listeners sure. can understand? Because I don't think here sure. in America anywhere is being as strict as the the description you gave. So I'd love to hear it again. All right,
4: look, guys, this is what happens. Uh, if I want to go to the market, I have to take uh, today. I would go. I will go to the market, and maybe Thursday, my wife goes to the market, or Friday, my wife. It's. We go, I go one day because I go shopping for wines at Pisco, and she goes shopping for food, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, we walk out, and then the first gate, which is of this gated community, the guy, the control, the, the watchman there, checks that we have the face mask and the gloves on. Then we drive about uh, half a mile to the main gate of several communities, which is the American, the Pan-American Highway, in that gate, they're checked what uh, community you come what what condominium you come from, what beach you come from. And they check that you're wearing your mask, your gloves. And then you. I drive about, I don't know, half a mile down to the supermarket. I park the car, I get off the car, and I walk into the supermarket. At the door of the supermarket, there's a girl that sprays my gloves with gel. I, I scratch, I, you know, I wipe my, my hands and And then another girl handles me the cart, but the cart has been totally sprayed with, I don't know, some some alcohol or whatever. And then I push the cart through an arrow that says in, and then I have to step on this, like a floor mat that is wet with alcohol, I guess. And then I'm in, inside, there is a army a soldier, a policeman, that makes sure that nobody gets more than six feet next to the other. So, with your parking, with your trolley, you have to park it in designated areas. If you go to the vegetable area, there is in the aisle, in the main aisle, there's like a parking lot. Put your put your cart in there, and then go and pick up your stuff. Put it in your plastic bags and bring and. Make your turns around. There's arrows you have to follow. There's no, you can't go any, just any, each way, whatever you want. Always wearing your face mask, always wearing your gloves. And then you finish buying everything you want. You go back to the uh, pay. Cashier has a uh, face mask, has gloves, has lenses. And then I give her my card. But when she gives me my card, my credit card back, I wipe it with a cloth before putting it back into my wallet. And then I take the shopping bags with me and she fills my shopping bags. I don't use shopping bags from the supermarket. They are my shopping bags. I put them into my trolley. I take the trolley out of the car. I put it in the trunk, drive back to my condominium, but at the gate outside, outside, the main gate, which is on the Pan American Highway, my car is uh, sprayed with disinfectant. Completely, it takes them um, a couple of minutes. You park the car, you know it's going to happen. You don't, you don't. Are you? You just park the car. They spray These your car down. In. Huh?
2: They spray your car. It's like they basically like it's like a car wash. <laughs> of
4: sorts. It, it's, like, it's like a car but they don't wash the car they spray it with you, you know you remember yeah. these old uh in the farm you had this tank in the back that you had this maneuver this handle that you sh- 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 chop and down up and up and yeah. down and you had a hose with a spray well they spray your whole car wheels side the handles of the four doors the handle of the back door they spray the whole car then you walk back in mm-hmm. And then they check you what uh, condominium you're in, what house you're in, C7. All right, you can come in. I come in, and then I bring my foodstuff into the patio of the house. The maid takes each product out and wipes it with alcohol. And my wife makes me take my clothes off.
3: And that's not where really the story weird, gets interesting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so, so this is incredible.
4: This is how serious we take it, right?
3: Yeah, this is incredible to hear. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you know, Greg and I, we live here in New York. I haven't seen anything like that. I'm guessing Damon hasn't seen anything like that in, in Northern no, California. In California no. I mean, this is the government really taking precautions and being serious about caring for its uh, constituency. Um, but at the I same mean, time at the same time you're there's some suffering going on right the the yeah, the, the lower sure. income and the uneducated are, yeah. are are maybe being you know not forgotten yeah. about but they're not paying enough attention right
4: that 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 is the main that is the main problem right the main problem is the the lower income people that have uh no 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 education no and they don't see the the damage they don't see the the problem they don't uh as the virus is not visible, uh, and then their needs are different. If I go with my wife, or if I go, or if my wife goes, we shop for the whole week, right? These people normally are very low-income people, which is, I think, don't forget about, I would say about 90% of the Peruvian economy is informal. They're not on payroll. They're not in companies. Yeah, they walk they they work the streets. They put their little blanket on the floor and they sell the potatoes like that. Now people buy the same way. They have a couple of soles a couple of bucks, a couple of dollars, and they buy for, for lunch today, lunch and dinner today for their kids. They don't right, go they out don't, for a week.
3: Right. They don't have, they have the resources. They, right? they don't have the they don't have the resources to stock up and yes, stay home. Yes. So they have to go out right. every day
4: yeah but in but the government here has done a fantastic job doing a uh, a, a bonus they like like the check you got in the states but here it's not that that large here uh, 780 soles three, 3 a couple a hundred a couple hundred dollars a, a month will sustain a family without any problem sustain not that you're not paying schools you're not paying doctors you're not paying, I mean sustain feed right? Yeah. Because food is not... Potatoes are not that expensive. We are not buying um, prime rib here, where you're buying I don't know, gizzards from chicken or whatever, I don't know. Yeah? you are not going to the key food. club to have
2: lobster, right?
4: You're not eating lobster.
2: Right, so, which we should talk so about. The government,
4: has, the government has has handled out about four or five million of these checks to, to very, very, wow. very poor families, so I think they're doing a great job. The problem is that all these families are going back into the into the markets without face mm-hmm. masks, they don't give a damn. They're, they're uh, and it's creating again major contamination, right?
3: Right, it's perpetuating the problem. Yeah. Um, Johnny, uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors here at Heritage Radio Network. We're going to come back and keep talking to you. Uh, and now we're going to, when we come back, we're going to talk about Pisco and the effects of COVID nineteen on this season's crop. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
1: This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, and restaurants have had to pivot to pickup and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash speakeasy.
2: Welcome back to the speakeasy. We are talking with our buddy Johnny. He's down in Peru. He's been hiding out uh at his summer home, not doesn't sound too bad, but <laughs> if you were listening to the first half of the show, things are pretty crazy in Peru. I mean like you know, he was you were describing the uh the precautions that are being made in the supermarkets. Like it's it's everything short of wearing hazmat suits basically is what it sounds like um, so it's pretty, pretty intense. Um, we haven't seen anything like that here in the States. In fact, actually I was at my, uh, my friends own a, uh, in Petaluma, California, just up the road from me. They own a, uh, a kind of a restaurant, not a restaurant, more of like a home cooking, really cool, like store that has like your, it's like an independent Sur La Table store of sorts, you know, Williams-Sonoma kind of place. Um, but, you know, independently owned. And I was happy to see that they're open, went and supported them, bought some stuff. And, uh, you know, there was someone, someone tried to walk in without a face mask. And they were like, sorry, dude, you can't come in. That's about as far as it goes here. Um, you know, you still see some people like going into grocery stores, not wearing masks. And, you know, depending on which grocery store or market you go to, it's... You know, some have, like, security people that are standing there saying you can't come in unless you have a mask or gloves. And otherwise, other ones you can just kind of do whatever you want. So it's kind of crazy to see what's happening here or what's not happening here compared to what you described happening in Peru. I think it sounds <laughs> a lot safer there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely.
3: Absolutely sounds safer. Um, Johnny, let's talk about uh, Pisco. Pisco uh, has to be... Uh, inform me again and the listener as well. Pisco has to be grown and harvested and distilled in the same season each year, right?
4: Yes, yes, yes. And so this is
3: so this pandemic is putting a massive crimp on that flow. Can you talk about what's happening with your Pisco?
4: Terrible, terrible, terrible. It caught us it caught us in the middle, right when the cherry was ripe. I mean when everything was blooming, everything was ready. We had a beautiful the harvest was coming in. And all of a sudden, 15th of March, boom, closed, locked, close your distillery. Nobody can work. Oh my God. So I began to, that means close it, lock it down completely, close everything. And, uh, uh, first uh, one day, two days, you say, what, what am I going to do? What what are we going to do? What, how do we solve this? We need to, to harvest so uh well i let a one week go by and then i began to take i have uh, my, my one of my engineers agricultural engineers i said okay uh, go to, go down and take pictures of the grapes as they're beginning to rot so uh, i took pictures and then i sent them to the vice minister of production and i said mr vice minister um peru will not be able to export pisco in 2021 and 2022 if we don't if you don't do something about it because we need a special exemption and we will follow whatever you require and you, case, you're,
3: you're you're a powerful voice in the world of pisco so you have a direct line to this minister that's that's pretty impressive yes, yes
4: well to be able to get the direct line I do have a direct line because I am president of the pisco committee of Alex Alex is the uh, as, the Association de Exportadores, the Export Association, Exporters Association of Peru, and I preside the Pisco Exporters Committee. So it, ha- it carries a little bit of weight, but my my history, come on, guys, not to brag about it, but uh, 30 years and four books and eight years on television and, and being the, the ambassador of Pisco for the world. Yeah, you're the man. I went to a TV channel and I said, help, I need to say something. And that interview on television changed everything. Next day, I got calls from everybody. I said, Mr. Schroeder, what do you need? I said, I need documents, permissions. We have to work. We have to harvest. So first, first, listen to this. The first authorization came that we could harvest, period. And then I told the vice minister, okay, I harvest. And what do I do with the grapes? Oh, Right. uh, what do you need to do? <laughs> well, I need to press them and I need to ferment them. All right. We authorized to press and ferment. Yeah, but, but then I need to distill. No, no, no. No distillation. What do you mean no oh, distillation? So I don't lose it on the on the plant, the plant rots, or I lose it on the tank. The tank rots. Come on. So the finder says, okay, Mr. shooter you can distill. All right. But this is an authorization just... For? No, no, no! This has to be for the whole sector. This has to be for the 450 distilleries in Peru. This is not Johnny Schubert. This is everybody. All right, you got it. Fine. So we got it. So today, yesterday, we're still arguing that we can't ship it. We can't. We can't sell it. We can't. Uh, and then I finally got a permission that if you had an order, I have one order from the states. I have one order from France. And I have one order from uh, Switzerland. So now, oh, okay, you can fill those orders. Those containers can go. But now I have orders from the local supermarket, liquor stores. No, 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 those can't. But you're not, we are allowed to, they are allowed to sell liquor. Yes. So it's not a dry, no. Then why can't I provide? <laughs> oh, Mr. Schuller, let's, let's, let, let's work it out. So... So here it's uh Jeez. it's not it's not that they're not helping us it's not doing but uh, don't forget the whole country is a mess guys the most important is to save lives <laughs> that's what we need to do we need to save lives this yeah. country is in a terrible situation and we need to save lives but we need to save the industry we need to save uh, economy we need to save the company we need to save uh, right so oh yeah we have a huge, we we are one of the first companies, Distilleria La Gravel, that came out with a protocol for a medical protocol for the production of Pisco. Fortunately, I have a, an administrator in Ica, and she is a wizard, and she runs HACCP, and she runs all these kind of fantastic uh, quality control projects. And she drew up a protocol that, that, they asked the government, asked me for it, they said, Mr. Schroeder, can we use it? Yeah, for preschool production, here it is. So we worked on it, and it's it's it, it's it's complicated because we for for us to get on back into production, we during this season, March, we employ 60, 70 people. The government allowed me to use 12. Oh, wow! So I said, What do I do with 12 people? Okay, stills for sure, a uh, lab to control uh, fermentation for sure and uh, harvest, Har- all right, let's do it. And boy, we, we managed, what I did is we have a beautiful hacienda house in there, which is being turned into a fantastic hotel, luxury hotel. So I said, let's put this 12 workers, one into each one of these rooms Marble bathrooms, (laughs) air conditioning, flat TV
3: screens,
4: telephones, the works. Right, it's luxury quarantine. Huh?
3: I say say it's it's luxury quarantined.
4: Luxury quarantine. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, fed and bedded. Fantastic. So we had him for five, six, seven weeks in there. And what I instructed my... uh, my financial manager, double pay. What? It's wow. a volunteer work. Of the 60 people, I need 12. Who volunteers? Whoever volunteers goes in there and doesn't see his girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, kids for seven, eight weeks. But I'll pay you double. I'll feed you and I'll nourish you and I'll I'll take care of you. And I have a doctor. She's a wonderful, fantastic doctor. She goes in there every second day to check on the health of every one of my workers. And this is at honorum. This is volunteer work of part of my team, which is fantastic. I I feel terrible sitting here and in front of my laptop, and these guys guys are busting their backs back there. But I'm making them. make a damn good salary out of that. and They're going to get fat and rich.
3: <laughs> well, you're taking great care of them, uh, it sounds like. And, and and also, so now you're working with 12 instead of 60. That's about a fifth of your production crew. Does that mean you're at a fifth of production? Or are you going to be able no, to harvest? believe it or not. Yeah, even even let's talk about it. Talk,
4: we, even though we worked about about 20% of our capacity, we managed to digest all our grapes. We are only 40,000 kilos short of last year's weight production, which is peanuts, peanuts, nothing, nothing. And uh, the only difference is that uh, we used to finish distillation about this time of the year, about the 15th of May. But as we distilled all the verdes first, because we said, we don't know how much permit we're gonna have. Let's be 24 seven, let's go for verdes First, because these, you can only distill when the wine is still sweet and alive, still fermenting. Now we're distilling puros, where the fermentation is f- finished, the, the, the yeast is dead, so the wine doesn't change. So instead of finishing the 15th of uh, May, we might finish by um, the mid-July, I guess, distillation which is against the norm in Peru, but uh, sorry, this, uh, there's nothing I can do about it, right? Right, so concessions have to be made. still fantastic. I'm being yeah. sent the Samples. You know, I've been sent the Samples because I managed to get one of my trucks to get through once a week. So as I'm in the middle between the, the, the bodega, the distillery, and the uh, warehouse outside of Lima, they bring me uh, Karming, my my right hand, my master distiller in in, uh, head distiller in Ica sends me bottles, and I pick them up in the highway, and I taste them, and they are wonderful. Good. We've managed to to save for us, I guess because we have um, a great team. I'm worried for a lot of the small artisanal producers, That's what worries me because Pisco is not only the large exporters. The beauty of Pisco is the fantastic Piscos that small little producers make at home. They have their own distillery, a small one acre, half an acre, two acres of of grapes. And they make this wonderful little Piscos they have. And with that, they have to pay the schooling of their kids and the medicines for the family. That's what I'm worried for. Because uh, in spite of, of coronavirus, uh, these guys still have to survive and the markets are not open. They can't sell. So so this is this is what saddens me, this people, this 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 part, this end of the product.
3: Well, right. Well, we, you're you're a, you're an obvious champion for the category. And, you know, even you stepping forward and getting these restrictions slacked out a little bit, I'm sure, is helping helping everyone. Um, But but again, it it comes down to workforce and it comes down to staying safe and and the government's, you know, shut down on on all those sorts of things. You happen to be in a situation where you could house your people and have doctors come and visit. So I get that it's different, but it sounds to me like you're still championing the category and you're still leading the charge.
4: Well, I I love Pisco. You know, I love it's my my it's my passion. It's not it's not only my brand, it's my passion. Pisco in general, and I call different producers and for instance, producers that were not members of ADEX, of my uh, group of, my, of the export committee, who do export, we said, Mr. Schuler, Johnny, can I get a permit? I says, uh, Jose, let me see if I can give you a hand. So I would call the vice minister, and I says, Vice minister, there's a productor in the valley of Lunawaná. He is a fantastic exporter. He produces a very good pisco. I need him to have a uh, Documents, okay, Johnny. There we go. Send him his uh, numbers, his legal company, and uh, okay. And uh, two or three days later, the guy gets his his permit. So, and this is the same for Arequipa. and I mean, it's it's it, it, it's not something I have to be proud of. It's something I need to do. It's something that somebody needs to do, and uh, it's not something that I want to a clap or a pat in the back. It's uh, I love my product. I love. Peru's product. I love Pisco. I think it's a wonderful, fantastic distilled spirit that the world still has not discovered, right? And this oh, is yeah, what agreed. I'm looking for. This is what I'm defending.
3: Yeah, well, agree.
0: And that's something interesting because I, you know, in just the last few years, I know that Pisco has been making a, a big push here in the U.S. market trying to, to, you know, Push forward, like, hey, we're more than just the piece. Go sour, like this is a category with deep, yeah. deep history and lots of variants and like tons of different uh, notes and flavors that you could get out of it. I mean, where do you see those efforts um, going after after the COVID crisis?
4: Well, I, th- I think uh, I think we're going to survive. I think we we are going to survive. And uh, you asked the question, being a restaurant owner. I own a restaurant that's called the Key Club in San Isidro, which is a very upscale residential area. It's a restaurant that was built by two American Air... Panagra, Pan American Airways, pilots back in the early 50s. And I bought it about 25 years ago. Do everything. It's a lobster. And uh, it's been closed today for 58 days, but it only has 10 tables. And it employs uh, quite a, quite an amount of people in the, and my people have been laid out by a law that allows us to lay them off for 90 days, unpaid. Now I'm in contact with them through WhatsApp, with them all the time, with my chef, with, she's a wonderful cook. And Katie, here's a new recipe we're gonna work on. Katie, this is what we're gonna do. Katie, this is what we're gonna do. But on the other hand, it's, the bank that says Mr. Schuler, what are you gonna do? So yeah. taxes, payrolls and then uh, I might go broke. I might have to close my restaurant that is 50 some years old. Wow and uh, that's pretty tough that's pretty tough. Uh, Pisco will survive uh, we will, will will survive. the Pisco industry will will make it happen. We're working on it. I think the government is doing a very good job. It's a mess. I I, I don't understand. I'm one of those guys. I was educated in the United States, guys. I was educated first in a military academy upstate New York, Cardinal Farley Military Academy. And uh, uh, a lot of that remains still inside of me. My wife tells me, why are you so military? Everything has to be done by the bugle. So, <laughs> so, uh, but I think we'll survive. We, but uh, a lot of businesses are not going to survive, yeah. and maybe a lot of small pisco producers are not going to survive. We're going to find a way that the government uh, eventually finds them how to finance them their their recovery and get back up to shape, because pisco is not one product, guys. Pisco is not. Pisco has 480, 500 different distilleries, producing fantastic juices all over the south of the country. Ica, Lima, Arequipa, Moray, Moquegua, Tacna—people that depend on this, people that live out of this. No, so th- this is my my. Uh, I will work for that. I will work for them.
2: It's more of a, a life-long commitment, a lifestyle, than just some juice in a bottle right yeah
3: yeah well absolutely and also a tremendous history you know this this product has been around for uh, for a long long time it's it's gone through some tremendous ups and downs over that over that span of time and sure. this this is certainly a down but uh, i think that the spirit category will survive i do worry as you do that maybe some of the smaller guys will get you know bumped out um you know maybe there's some ways to create uh, you know uh consortiums or groups so that they can group together and uh, string together their resources and maybe help one another out. Um, but uh, you know we're all having to scramble around and wring our hands a lot and think about what has to be done to go back to some sense of normalcy when we kind of arrive on New Earth and see what the landscape looks like. And I'm terrified about what's going to go on with bars and restaurants on that on that level. You know, and, and that level of course will affect the upper level. If we aren't open, sure. then we aren't then we aren't buying sure. the pisco, uh, and sure. you know then so then that backs everything up. Um, sure.
4: That, that, that's the problem. That's the problem. This is what Brent in Houston is worried about. This is Brent, is our president for PPLC Porton in the United States. Uh, Tony Matches, who's done a fantastic job keeping keeping the brand working. Jared Sasso and Michael Turley and, uh, and the whole team. There, there's a there's a huge bunch of people I can't mention all all these guys that are keeping us alive in the United States for 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 us. For Caravedo, the United States is, is our market, not only for us. I can't be egoistic. It has to be for, for all the Peruvian pisco producers The market in the United States it is the most important market in the world. So interviews like this, you guys, this is what helps. This is what uh, will keep us going. This is what is going to pump the, uh, prime the pump. This is what is going to help us get through this terrible crisis.
3: Well, we're we're really glad and proud to be able to help out in whatever way we can now. Yeah. And having you on the show is such a such a powerful voice and such an expert in the in the field. And you know, you've been in it so long, you've seen a lot, and your your perspective is is unique and strong. So, really appreciate you being on the show again, Johnny.
4: Yeah. No, my pleasure, guy You are welcome funny, anytime. Funny have a more of a negra criolla, which is a beautiful, uh, beautiful grape.
3: Sorry about the noise, but we're doing good. Don't be sorry; that's great. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, gotta, well, we gotta, you gotta, got a we got
2: Did you get a Tonic? Fisco tonic, yeah, that's what I'm having. Great, yeah. I'm sipping on I, an underburger, That's all I got. <laughs> you don't have anything else in your house? You, you definitely have more than that. I've got um, some stuff. <laughs> um, I can't. Uh, I can't wait to actually get to chat with you again i'd love to i hope next time it's in person and i i have to be honest with you i'm like looking at pictures from the key club all these lobster dishes and i can't wait to check that out i'm also on another tab on my computer i'm looking at flights to lima and um i'm trying to figure out when i i actually had to turn down a a trip to it was a pisco trip to uh lima a few years back because it was a conflict of schedule and uh schedule conflict and uh i you know, it's been on my mind. It hasn't faded. I still really want to go to go to Peru and check it out and hang out with you there.
4: Well, well this, no, maybe, guys, maybe when, we'll... This, when this, when this thing is over, <laughs> La Caravedo is open. I hope a couple of hundred thousand people come down. <laughs>
3: <Nice>. <laughs> We've got yeah.
4: people for everybody.
3: <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll gather up some resources and get the team together and we'll come stay in your hacienda and drink your, your pisco and, and support us as, as best we can. And maybe we'll do a remote show from down there. Um, yeah, for sure.
4: That'd be great. That'd be great.
2: Cool. Thanks a lot, Johnny, for being on the show today again. Um, for our listeners, check out Carvedo, Pisco. It's awesome. We've got actually, um, I think we still have maybe a bottle or two in the studio in Roberta's where Heritage Radio Network broadcasts out of. So if you, when we get back to the uh, the normality of, of regular scheduled in studio recordings uh you can swing by and tap on the window and uh, we'll let you in the studio and pour out a little for you so you can try it yourself or just go buy a bottle um it's available pretty much everywhere in the united states right johnny
4: yeah everywhere yeah. it's pretty much everywhere Caravedo, it's a, it's a yeah it's available everywhere it's a beautiful uh mixer you can put it uh, whatever a cola. Uh, tonic uh, whatever you can make any anything you want with it uh, i love it straight uh, it's pisco is a uh, pisco is a wonderful spirit it's, it's very clean it's very soft it's very smooth it's uh it's it's, it's really a happy happy drink
2: it is it's very elegant
4: <laughs> thank you i think
2: i think it's a very elegant drink yeah and I need all the help I can get as far as elegance goes.
1: So that's, <laughs> that's, why, that's, that's, <laughs> that's why I'm having
2: a second one right now. For <laughs> <laughs> us, some more tonic. There we go. All right. Thanks a lot, Johnny. It's great having you on the show My again. Pleasure, again. Thanks soon.
4: for the invitation. Thanks for you the opportunity.
2: It. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Tune in to Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Until next week, cheers.
0: So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll lord knows that country music's gonna save your soul the is grooving in that rhythm and blues that him it's gonna get you in the,
3: the speakeasy is powered by simplecast thanks for listening to the heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our precious content and to learn more about our 10 year anniversary celebration happening all year long subscribe to our newsletter